0: 9 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us, Jim, along with Cake, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Got some reaction to the proposed high school football league changes for 2024. Are the Rockies going to finish closer to Dick Monfort's predict- prediction of 500 or to Mark Kisla's prediction of 100 losses? I think Kisla might be more correct on that. Text or call us today. We'd love to hear from you. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. So we've been uh, going through these proposed league changes. Once again, they're proposed. And they don't go, wouldn't go into effect until 2024. Right. For the 2024-2025 season. I mentioned of Monument. They'll move up to 5A. The South Metro, they'll be in the same league as... Castleview and Mountain Vista and Rock Canyon and Thunder Ridge. And, oh, yeah, Valor Christian, by the way, will be in that league. So, mentioned Olathe. Olathe is going to be, sorry, in the same league that they've been in. I just, uh, unfortunately, missed when I was talking about the West. that uh, No, actually, Olathe is not in that league. Excuse me. No, Olathe is in.
1: They're in the Western Slope 1A. Cedar Ridge. Uh,
0: but they're in, they're in that one. Sorry, they're in, but they're not in with Delta. Aspen, Basalt, Coleridge, Delta, Middle Park. They're, they're in the one they've been in. I'm sorry, Lathe has been in the one that they've been in. You mentioned in uh, in 1A, correct? Yeah, with, with North Fork, Cedar Ridge. Yep. Grand Valley. So no, no real change there for those schools. Like I said, for, as far as winners and losers on this, Fruita, because they have to go play in 5A, would probably be your loser on this delta benefits because they don't have to travel to the the front range with the you know because they had university that they had to play last year I believe as part of their league they had some they had some road games they had to play that uh you know took them out of kind of the the normal you know normal league schedule that they've had in, in the past where you have right. Aspen and Basalt and Coleridge and Middle Park Moffat County part of that
1: and i think um we talk about winners and losers. I think 3A, Palisade, having rifled back in their league, I think that uh, that kind of renews a little bit of an old rivalry. You know? It's geographic. It makes sense having Palisade, Glenwood, rifle in the same league. You know, Steamboat Springs, okay, that's a little bit of a travel.
0: It's okay. University was a non-league game. I'm sorry. I don't know why I was saying that they were a league game. But they had Bayfield in their league, which you know that's down to the four corners. That was a league game. Cortez was a league game. That's you that's know a little bit a little outside. bit of travel. Salida was a league game. Bagosa Springs was a league game, and so when you look at the the changes as far as that league now, you don't have those schools anymore. They're in the Intermountain League, which is. Salida, Pagosa, Montezuma, Cortez, Gunnison, Bayfield, Alamosa, which makes more sense, though, for Gunnison. It's a, it's a long haul for Gunnison. Sorry, Gunnison. But for Delta, they get rid of some of those longer league road trips, as I mentioned, that the, that they had this past season. So, like I said, they, they benefit from it. Fruita definitely does not benefit from moving up and being put in the same league as, as Valor Christian. No. So if you got some thoughts on that and like I said from I'm not trying to I'm not trying to get scrappy with you Chavez from Palisade no I I'm just saying that when the, the nobody here really should should be the, the numbers while Furtas's numbers are big they're over 2000 that they still it's tough to compete with schools over there at the 5A level it is it's tough and particularly when they particularly when they put you in the same league as Valor Christian.
1: A school that, for reasons known only to the Almighty, is able to sort of, you know, practice like they're a college team. They can recruit. They can offer scholarships because they're a private institution. Yeah. They can do things that other schools and other competitive schools
0: in football just cannot do. Or, okay, if you're going to put them in 5A, okay, if you've got to put them in 5A because you feel like classification-wise— that that fits their success in 4a that that fits and you should move them up because success in a particular classification is also part of the the evaluation process for the, the the clock committee which is the classification league organizing committee clock nice um and so i can see that okay fine i can i can live with that part of it i still don't think they should be there but okay but you put them in the same league as Valor Christian. I mean, a team that has to travel farther than anybody has to travel. And in the entire five A ranks, you're gonna put them in that you're gonna put them in that league. That doesn't seem quite quite fair to me, but that's that's my opinion on it. So text or call us nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. Uh, let's see. Got a text from Die Hard this morning. Technically, the new school does put Grand Junction a little bit closer to I-25.
2: It's not fair to make them travel. It's only fair to make the Western Slope travel.
0: Diehard is right about that. A little bit. Makes them a little bit closer to I-25. If just the... Since it's moving to the north end of the campus over here just a block away from us.
1: And and again, you, you mentioned it that it's entirely possible that the I-25 league was set up for schools that have had less than stellar performances over the last few years.
0: Well, got that from somebody that that knows more than a little, just a little something about that. Right, and we, we won't mention. Name no, I'm not going to say who,
1: but never give up your sources. Exactly. But I still like the idea that it's called the I-25 league for these struggling teams. Cause like driving on I-25, it's a struggle.
0: Yeah, and you know, for for Junction, it's like it's been a it's been a tough stretch here, no doubt about it.
1: And it's you know, and they they certainly can, and I think they're going to try to get better in in the long haul. They just have to kind of you know, they just have to keep pushing. Landon McKee is a good coach, I think. Good
0: stats, a really good staff over good, there.
1: Exactly, you know, and and the overall. Nature of having your school, your entire building being rebuilt, elevating your st- your status as a school overall, that should help. It's gonna just again, it's gonna be a process, and maybe this new league, if if it is what it is, in make
3: 2024, it more competitive
0: with all these. Okay, so exactly, here's what the the league looks like, by the way. In terms of the I-25 league, the Grand Junction will be in, possibly, or like probably, in 2024. You've got Centaurus, and Centaurus this past season five and five, four and two. Okay, not 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 horrible, not great, not bad. bad. Middle of the road. They went four and two in their league. So you have Centaurus, you have Cheyenne Mountain. Once upon a time, a dominant program. Balisade faced them. When Palisade won their first state title for Joe Romano, Cheyenne Mountains four and six zero and four. Ooh. they've had a lot of. I think they had some roster issues in terms of some players that were ineligible and they, They've they've had some problems at Cheyenne Mountain the last few years, so they went four and six zero and four. Aurora Gateway, who I believe it was on the Tigers. I think Grand Junction played them this past season. I have to go back and look and see. If you I look can, that up for me, yes, I can take a look at that. Uh, Aurora Gateway one and nine, one and five overall, and they've struggled for a long time. Sand Creek two and eight, one and four, and then Thornton, Thornton and um, Centaurus are your two best programs. Thornton went four and six, three and three. So all those programs have struggled. Did, did, did they have gateway this year or did they have them last they year? They
1: did not have gateway. I have had them last year. This most recent season in 2021, they
0: had Aurora Central. Aurora Central, okay. And they lost 48 nothing. So they go into a league. Oh, they did have gateway. Yeah, I thought they had gateway. The, when and that was
1: the, actually gateway. That was Junction's only win yeah. that year.
0: So for Grand Junction, okay, so they're a winner in this thing. Let's be honest. Because yeah. they are any league where they have teams that are kind of going through the same growing pains, same challenges that that Landon and his guys are going through. So that's that's not a bad thing. that's a, it's a good thing for Grand Junction. Text or call is 970-242-1340 if you got some thoughts on uh these proposed league changes. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, coming up, we'll uh, bring you our uh, post game from yesterday. Chris Hanks, the Maverick baseball team, beating Montana State Billings. We'll have that. Also, we're going to talk with Mike Vig, former Central Warrior standout, former uh, Mesa State Mav. He's been the coach the last several years of Plateau Valley. They take on Telluride tonight in the 1A State Boys Basketball Tournament. So we're going to talk with him coming up in a little bit. But right now, let's get into some four down territory carryover from last hour. You're on the jim davis show we're into four down territory on the jim davis show on the team <laughs> all right we've got the combine going on in indy
1: the underwear olympics
0: georgia edge ed rusher nolan smith who's 6'2, 238 he ran a 4.39 in the 40 yesterday oh dear god it would rank him as the second fastest 40 time ever among defensive linemen at the combine and is more in line with some of the fastest cornerbacks, wide receivers, or running backs at the Combine. Well, are they feeding him? Nolan Smith talked to Stacey Dales after he ran his 40-time. She, of course, works for the NFL Network. He said he wasn't even running full speed. Said he's been training in the 4-3 range. He was disappointed in the result that he could have been better than that. Uh okay. Well, there you go.
1: Someone will draft him and they will be very happy.
0: At least they're gonna have one of the hopefully the the strength, the ability to the bend, the ability to get to the quarterback will match, right. and it has in college. Match the insane speed of Nolan Smith. That's incredible. Second down, Willie McGuintist, uh Super Bowl winning linebacker. For the uh, New England Patriots, also has worked uh, in the media covering the NFL. Willie McGinnis has been charged with two felonies for his alleged involvement in a brutal beating that took place at a restaurant last year. The uh, L.A. County District Attorney's Office charged McGinnis with one count of assault with a deadly weapon and one count of assault by means of force likely to cause great bodily harm. According to TMZ, each charge carries a maximum sentence of four years in prison. Set to be arraigned next month turned himself in December 19th after a warrant was issued for his arrest. Surveillance footage from inside the popular hotspot Delilah in West Hollywood earlier in the month allegedly showed McGinnis walking up to a man who was seated at a table and said a few words to him. The man in the video was identified as McGinnis, was then seen punching the victim in the face before several people got involved. McGinnis and several other men were shown punching the man repeatedly. At one point, McGinnis allegedly picked up a bottle and began hitting the victim in the face with it.
1: Oh, Oh, God. What are you doing, William McGinnis?
0: What are he you issued a lengthy apology after turning himself in. He's fifty one. He won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. Played at USC before being drafted by New England. Also uh, played for Cleveland at the end of his career for three seasons. He'd been working for the NFL network for several years. Also was at Fox Sports and ESPN. I'm gonna say um He's probably gonna he's be done. A little... he's done. He's done at NFL Network. Goodbye. Yeah.
1: All right, third down, Skip Bayless continues to prove he's a moron. So, earlier this week, and we had... Skip. 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 Earlier this week on this program, we had the clip from The Daily Show where guest host, Hasan Minhaj, was prodding Giannis out of the compo to trash talk, and Giannis read what was scripted and then would backtrack right after and say, I'm sorry, I love your game, you know nicest guy in the NBA, no doubt. Well, Undisputed took that, just the little stuff that, again, was scripted, and he didn't actually mean it, took it out of context, played it on the show, and Skip Bayless was all, how dare he make fun of Kevin Durant, we shouldn't be saying this about KD, soft, blah, blah, blah. Dude, Skip, you took it out of context. You edited it out on purpose to make this clickbait garbage. What are you? What are you doing?
0: That's what <sighs> Skip Bayless does. Yeah.
1: Fourth down. NFL Network's uh, flagship morning show, Good Morning Football. They brought on Ryan Leaf as a uh, host, a contributor, leading up to the draft. During some doing some combine coverage, and they've created a segment for him called turning over a new leaf.
0: Ah, it's appropriate. More ways
1: than one. I was going to say, it's brilliant because his name is Leaf and he is publicly trying to turn over a new leaf.
0: He has uh, dramatically changed his life trajectory. There's no doubt about that. And you
1: know what? Hey. Good for him. I was going to say, more power to him.
0: All right. That's four down territory. And uh, yesterday, the Maverick baseball team started that uh, series over at uh, the Diamond of the Bergman Sports Complex against Montana State Billings. Mavs picking up the 19 to eight win yesterday. The uh, freshman righty Liam Hohenstein got the start and picked up the win. Went four innings, six hits, two runs, a walk, and five strikeouts. So the Mavs now seven and five. They have the doubleheader that starts at noon and three today uh, over at uh, the Diamond against Montana State Billings. After the game yesterday, Ethan Jordan had the chance to uh, go on the field and talk with the skipper of the Mavericks,
3: Chris Hanks.
2: Chris Hanks with me, Chris.
0: Been the big inning that's gotten
2: you the last few days. How's it feel to have the big inning on your side this time?
3: Well, it's always it's always good. You know, we've had some tough luck just in uh, some recent losses where we played really well, but you know, one inning it things fell apart and made the difference in game. So it's good to turn the tables on that for sure.
2: You said this series against MSU Billings right before conference play. A lot of figuring out who's going to play where. What's it going to be like once you know you really gets started in conference play? Liam Hohenstein. Another solid performance for him on the mound. You guys let him go a little longer today. What did you see from him, especially how that pertains moving forward?
3: Well, he's a he's a serious candidate to be a starter moving forward into conference. Uh, I thought he his pitches were good. He had good velocity. He had a little trouble locating his pitches. Uh, I think if he had been able to locate a little better, they they really wouldn't have been able to get anything going on him. But uh, as a freshman, he did a great job to start off the weekend series, and and that builds confidence. Moving forward, I think.
2: Harrison Rogers has been the engine at the top of your offense all season long. Does it again today? Four hits, three steals, including a home run. What does he bring to the offense every day? How is he able to contribute like that each and every day?
3: Well, for the most part, he's got a good eye. You know, he he generally sees a lot of pitches. Uh, He doesn't get himself out very often by swinging at balls out of the zone. So if you can keep from beating yourself. You have a chance to walk, and then he has the tool—the base stealing tool—and you know, and he has some power. So we just need it. I just tell him, get on base. Don't care how, but we need. You know, that's why he's leading off.
2: All right, two more, three, two more days, three more games before conference play starts. What are some of the things? Can you let us know what some of the things you're going to be looking for before conference play starts these next couple days?
3: Well, we're going to probably need to see somebody else at shortstop. Uh, we might see Zor there. Um, we might put Harrison over at third. Uh, I'd still like to start Brett Carroll at second base. I think he could end up being one of our best bats, and he only has about five or six at-bats on the year so far. Uh, we're going to need to see another catcher. Uh, with Max Valdez is out this weekend. He's on concussion protocol. Uh, so we might see Mazzetti catch tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll look at a few different things.
0: Skip, thanks so much for the time. Thanks, guys. All right. It's Chris Hanks with Ethan Jordan. Maverick baseball team gets uh, Montana State Billings in the doubleheader today over at, Ber- at uh, the Diamond at the Bergman Sports Complex noon and 3 o'clock today for that one. All right. Coming up next, the Plateau Valley Cowboys-Boys basketball team. They're in the 2A state tournament. They host Telluride tonight. And we're going to talk with Mike Vig, their head coach. That's coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network.
3: Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team.
0: Nine twenty-two. Jim along with cake. I have a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell. They got more attention, the O.C. did, from the Wolf Arrow skit than they probably had had in years. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, Jim along with Kate today. And uh, the 2 way Boys State Basketball Tournament uh, tonight. Plateau Valley plays host to Telluride. And with us right now, the head coach of the Plateau Valley Cowboys, Mike Vig. Mike, good morning. How are you doing, sir?
4: Pretty good. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. Mike, you normally see you at the park at a canyon view uh, when yep. you're out there doing your thing for the city of Grand Junction. But you also have had a really successful run as the boys' basketball coach at Plateau Valley. And uh, I just want you to talk about... Uh, being the coaching high school basketball for you know for a smaller school, you played at Central, you played at Macy. Had uh, really good careers at both of those stops in your uh, prep and also college career. Uh, for you, what what was the the thing that drew you into wanting to be a high school basketball coach, along with having your day job with the Grand Junction Parks and Rec? Well, I, uh, since
4: high school, in high school, I just I had that itch. I wanted to be a coach in high school and went to college and things didn't work out exactly how I had planned it. And, um, you know, came back to Mesa and then finished at Mesa and then got married and started having kids. And coaching kind of, that kind of dream kind of took a back seat for me. And um, once my uh, kids grew up a little bit and uh, I could, uh, they were old enough that I could stick them with my wife and not have to help her out they were a little bit more manageable than I we kind of got in there and they had an opening here i actually started out as the believe it or not the girls middle school coach up here so it was a little bit different than what i'm doing and then one year that and then the boys job opened up and i've been there and i've, I've always drawn to it i said when i was in high school i wanted to be a coach I was always there it didn't work out till i was well 40 years old so it finally finally came to fruition and I absolutely love it. I'm having the time
0: of my life right now. Well, and, and a great year for your Plateau Valley boys basketball team. You get the number five seed in the 2 eight tournament. Yeah, tell you have Telluride right tonight at your place. And I want you to talk about your kids because uh, it's, like it's been a, a really uh, outstanding season for your basketball team. You 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 know go through the district tournament, you, you make it into the state tournament. Ethan Morris for you has been averaging over 12 points per game. And uh, also, a, a very familiar name, your son Jack uh, has also had a really good season as well. Uh, second leading scored eleven points per game and almost six rebounds per contest. Uh, both those young men have uh, done a sensational job leading your team into the postseason.
4: Yeah, um, we're it's a it's a good group of boys. I've had them th- throughout middle school and high school. It's my sixth year with this group, and we're young. We got no seniors on the team, but this group has played together for a long time, and they bought into what what we're selling here. And um, you know, they work hard in the summer. They the, the biggest thing for me, Jim, is. They all like each other and they're all friends. All 12 guys, actually all 21 kids in the program were really good friends. You don't always get that um, when you're dealing with high school. There's usually, there's sometimes there can be, uh, you know, some separation there. But this group is a good group. They all like each other. They all hang out. And they bought into what we're selling.
0: Mike Vig, coach of the Plateau Valley Cowboys, uh, with us on the Team Sports Network. And I imagine, too, Mike, that's one of the benefits of coaching at a smaller school where, I mean, you played at Central Bigger School uh, when, when you were playing uh, for, for Steve Phillips and the, and the Warriors back in the day, that it's such a, Colburn's a smaller community, such a tight-knit community. The kids all know each other from a very young age. They all come up through the, the ranks together playing youth basketball or youth sports together. You know, they, they go through, uh, obviously, the, the lower levels of, you know, freshman JV basketball as well, that having that, that, that smaller school environment I think has to be for a head coach kind of attractive because these kids know each other probably better than they ever could have at a, at a larger school.
4: Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what, that's a definite benefit to being in a small school. Um, like you said, when I played at a bigger school and I mean, you, you, you knew kids, but you didn't grow necessarily grow up with them. And um, these, these kids have all, for the most part, I mean, we've had a couple come later, but for the most part, have went through elementary middle school and, and high school together. And, um, yeah, there's a familiarity there that you know they're used to each other. They kind of they know each other's tendencies and know each other how, what each, each other can do, and it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting really to grow up and watch. And this is my tenth year now, and we've kind of built this culture. It's been it's been a work in progress, but over the ten years, it is it has definitely I definitely seen it grow and become to what it is now.
0: Mike, Pretty exciting. Figg, yeah, Mike Fay coach of the Plateau Valley uh, Cowboys boys basketball team. They have tell right tonight to open up the two a state tournament. From a coaching standpoint, Mike, who's who's had the biggest influence on you? you? Said you wanted to be a coach back in your high school days. Who's had the biggest influence on you and on the coach that you are now?
4: Without a doubt, Steve Phillips. Um, just just the way he coached. He wasn't he wasn't just a coach. He was he was a good friend. You could joke with him, and that that's he's the guy that made me want to do what i'm doing um way he coaches he's he's tough on you he's demanding but he's also he's uh he's understanding and and he cares about the kids and that that's that's what i loved about him i still i see i actually seen him again he came to one of my middle school games i coached middle school up here too he showed up there to watch um so it's pretty exciting it's yeah definitely steve phillips he's hes had the biggest influence on me for sure
0: when he went to that middle school game did he give you a little a little pointer, the old coach going, "Hey, you know, uh, I, I, have, I have an inbound play that you might want to try." Or, he have did he have a little uh, little tip for you, Mike?"
4: Well, he, he didn't come over to me until after the game was over. And we, the, the irony of it was, was we were playing uh, Brian Rooks's son's team, okay. Coach Mesa. So it was a central reunion there, and he he was actually there. I, I mean, I gave him crap for it. He was actually there to watch Brian, and I just happened to be there. So
0: oh, well, <laughs> ouch. Well, I guess but, it was so nice, he,
4: nice to see him, been, nonetheless, he, though, right? Yeah, he's been he's been to a couple of my high school games when I first started. He has, but yeah, he showed up there and that was it was it, was, it was still I still loved it. I was, it was good to see him again. I hadn't seen him for a while, and it was it was good to see him.
0: Going back to those Central years for just a moment, I mean, you mentioned you coached against Brian Rooks, his son, his team, and do you, do you see any of the old Central Warriors from back there in the '90s?
4: Um, trying to think who I've I see John Sedanich every once in a while. Um, other than that, Brian is the one I see most often. Um, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anybody else for the most part. It's just I see Brian once in a while. I've seen Sedanich a few times. Um, other than that, I haven't really. Uh I've really uh, talked to any of them.
0: Well, for a while. And, and you guys have all gone on to do remarkable things, Brian, with what he's done over at Mesa, and obviously what you're doing, Plateau Valley, and John coaching again at Central High School and got them into the the state tournament uh, for a second straight year. We're talking with Mike Vig, Plateau Valley Boys Basketball Coach, seventeen and three on the season. They went eight and one in the combined two A, one A Western Slope League. They have Telluride tonight. What's uh, the scouting report, Mike, on this Telluride basketball team that you're hosting tonight?
4: Um good team we played them early before christmas and it was a it was a tough game they got some, they got some good size, good athletes um they gave us they gave us everything we wanted um in that game i think we beat them by 11 but it was it was close the whole way so we're gonna have our work cut out for us we got a they got a big kid inside it's pretty solid but they're better than they were then and but so are we and we just got to come out if we do do what we've been working on all year we sh- we should uh hopefully come out with the victory today
0: all right, we were talking with Mike DeGeorge, the Maverick men's basketball coach, and he 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 says that the Mac Rineker, who is the RMAC defensive player of the year, is his spirit animal, a player that he just he kind of you know it embodies the things that he loves about about a player and the the relentless effort on the defensive end for Mac and things like that. Do you have a player on this team that you go, man, that's that kid could be my spirit animal. That that's a kid that I I know you love all your players, but a kid that really. Does some things that you've fallen in love with that maybe don't always show up on the score sheet or don't immediately become obvious to somebody watching the game.
4: Absolutely, it's my my point guard, uh, Junior Parker Ralston. He is a quiet, unassuming guy. He's probably said eight words to me the entire his three years at the at the school. He's just real quiet, but when he's on the floor, he is the the adult in the room for sure. He he keeps us going. He's level headed. Doesn't get up. Doesn't get down. He guards normally. Guards their best guard most of the time and just keeps us we when he steps off the court with him and my son we've noticed that when they when they're one of one or both of them are off the court there's definite there's a definite change in our team and it's kind of it it kind of gets a little bit more chaotic than it should be so i'm going to say definitely parker ralston is is kind of the guy that keeps uh, keeps the ship sailing in the right direction
0: Hey Mike, I'm thrilled for you. Congratulations, and hopefully you, you win. We can uh, we can talk uh, you know down the road about uh, your your team's journey in the, the two-way state basketball tournament. Plateau Valley hosts Telluride tonight. Tip off at 7:30 up in Colburn for that one. As uh, the Cowboys take on uh, Telluride, Mike. I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on this morning, and best of luck tonight to you and your Plateau Valley Cowboys. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, Mike Vig. Joining us this morning, Mike, outstanding player at Central and over at Mesa as well, and. And uh, just uh, thrilled for him. He's got a chance to coach his son, and and a uh, little little reunion. Uh, even though, well, see, I'm going to defend Steve. Steve did go right. a couple of Mike's games, okay, early on. So that's I'm not going to throw not nothing. I'm not going to throw Coach Phillips under the bus for that. Not going to do that at all. He was, he was there seeing Brian's son. He was there supporting one of his former players. All right, nine thirty-two. Jim, along with the cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name. In automobiles, Uh, still got a little time if you want to comment on the proposed high school football league changes. And if you've not heard about this, we'll go ahead and run through them once again. And
1: again, these are proposed and they wouldn't take effect until 2024.
0: Exactly. So not going to happen this year. So with these proposed changes to the classification and league organizing committee report, that... um, and the leagues are pending approval of the April meeting of the Chassa Legislative Council. So, Fruit of Monument would move back into 5A. And Fruit of Monument would be in the South Metro 5A with Castle View, Mountain Vista, Rock Canyon, Thunder Ridge, and Perennial Power, Valor Christian. If you're wondering, where's Cherry Creek? They're in the Centennial, Arapaho, Cherokee Trail, Eagle Crest. Uh, Sean Emerson, that's from here in town, um, that been coaching over there for a long time. Sean Marsh was the former Central coach, coach at Eagle Crest. Uh, there in the Centennial, along with Grandview and Smoky Hill,
1: and see so that's a tough league too. So I mean That'll be a tough
0: league. And so in four A, you have Central in the North two four A with Adams City, Broomfield, Longmont, Riverdale Ridge, and Skyline. Grand Junction will be in what they call the I twenty five League with Centura, Cheyenne Mountain, Gateway sand creek and thornton and we we mentioned this got a got a text about it and i'm going to go into who sent it but somebody that knows what's going on essentially that league created for struggling programs at the 4a level and so grand junction which has had their, their challenges the last few years will be playing in that league in 3a you have the return of the western slope league thank goodness with Battle Mountain, Eagle Valley, Glenwood Springs, Rifle, Steamboat, and, of course, Joe Romano and the Palisade Bulldogs playing in that league. And then you have in 2A, in you have basically returned to the way the league should have been, the, the old Western Slope League for for Delta, uh, and old in terms of racing years, uh, Aspen, Basalt, Coleridge, Middle Park, Moffat County with Delta in that league. And so schools like Pagosa Springs, Cortez, they drop they drop into a different league, the Intermountain League, with Alamosa, Bayfield, Gunnison, Montezuma, Cortez, Pagosa, and Salida, in Class I, One. Sorry, go ahead. I
1: just again with th- these names, so you have two A North, two A Southeast, West, Intermountain, Metro two A East, and League Seven. It's just League Seven. We don't know where they are. They're sort of in the in the ether. So we'll just call them League Seven.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Arvada Brush, Fort Lupton, Sterling. Okay, you got some kind of north, northeast teams there. The Academy and Weld Central. So they're a little regional-ish in that. So in Class One A, Western Slope One A, it's Cedar Edge, Grand Valley, Meeker, North Fork, Olathe, and Roaring Fork that are in that conference. And then for Plateau Valley, since we just talked with Mike Vig. In eight man football, they're in the Northwest with Hayden, Lake County, Rangeley, Sirocco, uh, Soroco, excuse me, Vale Christian, and West Grand are in that league. All right. So, like I said, kind of winners and losers. Junction, I think, ends up being a winner. Delta ends up being a winner because I think they're in better leagues moving forward. Delta, in terms of travel, Junction, in terms of competitive situation. Fruita because they have to go up to 5A and they have to go into the same league as Valor Christian. I said, I'm, I'm not thrilled they're, they're moving up because I don't feel like anybody over here should be playing 5A. I get it when Chavez from Palisade says, well, they got 2,000 kids. Why are they playing 4A? Which, my, my question is this. Chavez from Palisade, I assume you're a Palisade Bulldog fan. It doesn't really impact Palisade where Fruita plays, so... I guess, why do you care about Fruita <laughs> not playing in 4A anymore? Because they don't play Palisade. If they play Palisade, even non-league, then okay. I could, right. I could maybe see that, but but, but anyway. I appreciate your input, Chavez. I've been giving you some grief today. Hopefully, you, you, you're taking it well. And you're free to respond back on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. All right, uh, 937. Jim along with cake today. And it's time for that's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history it's time to take a trip back in time it's this day in sports history back in time. all right go back to 1920 the montreal canadian set an nhl record for most goals in a game with a 16 to 3 route of quebec e. wow also 1951 temple's bill mulfke scores an ncaa record 73 points and a 99-69 to 69 route over Wilkes. Also on this day, 1984, Peter Ubaroth, president of the Los Angeles Olympic Organizing Committee, is elected commissioner of baseball by major league owners. 1985, Willie Shoemaker becomes the first jockey to win $100 million in his career purses after riding Lord at War to victory at the Santa Anita Handicap in Arcadia, California. 1987, Mike Tyson adds the WBA heavyweight crown to his WBC heavyweight crown with a unanimous 12-round decision over James Bonecrusher Smith in Las Vegas. Nice. 2001, Maurice Green equals his world record in the 60-meter dash, running 6.39 seconds in a semifinal heat at the USA Indoor Championships in Atlanta. Green matches the time he set February 9th of 1998 at Madrid, Spain. Also, 2010... Brittany Griner punches an opponent in the face, is ejected uh, from number 14, Baylor's 69-61 to over Texas Tech. Officials toss the freshman with nine minutes and one second remaining after she strikes Texas Tech sophomore forward Jordan Barncastle. Griner later receives a two-game suspension for that. And 2014, LeBron James scores a career-height 61 points, breaking Glenn Rice's franchise record. And the Miami Heat defeat the Charlotte Bobcats 124 to
1: 107. And sort of in the same vein, not so much on this day in sports history, but a sports birthday for us in Broncos country, Randy Gratishar's birthday. One of my all-time favorites. And he should be in the Hall of Fame already, and the fact that he's not is a crying shame.
0: It's it's well, This whole thing is a travesty and a sham and a mockery. It's a travesty-sham mockery. Indeed. Happy birthday, Randy Gratishar. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Some garbage time on the way next on the Jim Davis Show.
3: Crap-tastic. That's just crap. (laughs) The team presents
0: the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 942. Jim along with Cake today. Another one from Chavez from Palisade. If a school... Has, let's say, 300 or 400 more students. Out of those, maybe you get 10 to 15 good football players. That's a big deal in football. That's not an advantage of the smaller schools in 4A. Could be. I'm not going to deny that. But also, I, I don't know. Are you going to get, is it a guarantee you're going to get 15 players out of those numbers? Maybe. Possibly. Right. And as far as, Fruita doesn't have 2,000 students, by the way. We need to clarify that. They're close. They're in that. They're in that neighborhood.
1: Seventeen hundred and something or other.
0: Seventeen hundred ninety-six. So, so eighteen hundred. So a couple hundred shy. Yeah. I, I just feel like look, and it's and Chavez. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. It, it feels like you had a bone to pick with Fruta for some reason, and you're you're a Palisade. Are are you okay? Do you, does your kid does your kid go to Palisade? Are you a Palisade fan? Because you're a Palisade fan, I'm not I'm not getting why you have this axe to grind about Fruta being, you know, not being in, you know, about being them being in 4A, I should say. I get it they're in 3A. <laughs> and they had similar, uh, you know, unfair advantage in terms of numbers. Because Palisade's been there. Palisade's been one of the bigger 3A schools. And pushing the 4A limit at times. And have actually been in four A right. as I mentioned in the late nineties for two years. Look, Montrose, would they Montrose plays them as a non league opponent. Brett Brett Mertens has talked about you know size of Montrose compared to, to to other schools. They don't spend a lot of time dwelling on that. Montrose just goes out and rolls up their sleeves and they go to the playoffs every year. They don't worry about how big or how small their school is. Nope. I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on that. Palisade is 1,087. So, I mean, in terms of, if you're comparing Fruit and Palisade, yeah, it's a huge advantage. That's why they're not in the same classification. I just don't think anybody should be playing in 5A football. Because over the years, history has shown us teams here traditionally don't fare well at the 5A level, with the exception of Grand Junction High School, with Robbie Owens in the 2000s. And they had some really good teams. Teams that made deep runs. Had good lost, quarterbacks. Had Sean Rubacaba lost. Sean the, I can't even
4: say his name.
0: A heartbreaking loss to Regis on the last play of the game. They would have taken them, I believe, to the quarters or semis. Lost on a Hail Mary in that game. Lost a tough one to Lakewood. That would have taken them to the quarters, just semis. Might have been the semis. It's been it's been a while, so I have to go back and look it up. I I just I just think that over here, trying to play 5A football is tough. It's tough to compete. It's gonna be and for Florida, can they do it? We're gonna find out, right? We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. I mean, Cam and his guys. I'm sure they're they're looking forward to the challenge when it rolls around, when that day comes. I just think when you look at some of these, some of these make a lot of sense. Some of them are really good. Some of the ideas are really good. For Delta, getting Pagosa out of their conference, getting Cortez out of their conference, that's really good in terms of travel. For Junction, it's really good in terms of of a a more competitive conference for them to play in. Chance for their kids to win football games, improve the program, they're going to have a new school, there's a, there's a lot of plus about being in the I-25 conference for Grand Junction. But also, though, Chavez, you're right. I'll say this. It does speak to how ba- boundaries need to be reconfigured here in the Valley. And once Grand Junction High School is built, that will certainly aid in that effort. Right. That maybe some of the, the kids that are out more north of town, that that direction, that becomes grand more where Fruita has some of that, that boundary right now, that becomes more, you know, becomes Grand Junction's boundary, and the numbers are able, we're able to equal up the numbers a little bit. And everybody's more around 1,500, as opposed to 1,796 for Fruita Monument. That'd be great. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm trying to find Central's numbers. They were like 1,600, I think, for Central. But once again, I'm going to make the final comment about this. When they built the new Palisade High School, it was purposely built to remain a small town school. They didn't want it to get bigger. They didn't want it to get to 1,500 kids. And that's not knocking anybody that, you know, Dan Bollinger, anybody because Dan had nothing to do with that, anybody that's there now. That was kind of a sentiment, though, the time of, we want to stay a small, small town school. And it kind of works in that area, too. And And it's fine. But once again, you know, you can't you can't complain about what other schools are doing when you made you made the decision to keep your school a smaller school in terms of the amount of students that can actually physically fit into the building. I, I just you know I just feel like that when you're trying to play front run, you know, the, the best, the best of the best in terms of five A programs. And you're put. Like I said, I'll get back to this. Okay, Fruita, they've had success in 4A. Maybe they should move up to 5A. All right, that's fine. But how about because of the the disadvantage that Fruita has in terms of lots of travel from this side of the hill? Not the schools don't come over here, but it just seems like how about not put them in their first year in 5A? How about you know in, in quite some time? How about Put them in a conference that doesn't include Valor Christian. I said I could be dead wrong about this, though. Could be Cam Ross is going, great, bring it on. Cam's a competitive guy. It's like, okay, fine. We'll play Valor. I don't care. We'll play whoever. Because I know Joe Romano would feel that way. Brett Mertens would feel that way. Right. Brandon out at Central would feel that way. Hopefully there'll be a point where Landon McKee would feel that way. That his program is back to where Junction has been in the past and the success they've had at Grand Junction High School and that, they, hey, we'll we'll take them on. Not right now, not today. No. Because they're just not there yet. I don't know. I We'll, we'll see how it all plays we, out. We but like will. Said, I, I do think, though, a new Grand Junction High School changing boundaries, I think that's important because I think everybody here, with the exception of Palisade, and the, there's some thoughts that Palisade should probably be playing for, eh? At times, they've they've had that kind of success. That that you know that maybe everybody because if you could get four or five schools, if you get five schools, then you can have a conference. You know, preferably six. Six would be better. You could have Durango possibly back in the Southwestern League. You have the four the four here: Montrose, Durango, back to the Southwestern League. Great rivalries once again. Right. Travel's not too bad in terms of league games. But then you get back to the problem that's always there, which is who do you play non-league? You going to get anybody to come over here? Going to get somebody to like Palmeridge to come over here and play? Unless they have to, unless it's a league game, probably not. And that's that's, that's, why. that's
2: definitely it. All front range teams away from the western slope at all costs.
0: And that's that's why coaches. If you ask coaches, coaches like the way it is now. Because their non-conference is really easy, if you're playing four A football, and even with with Palisade, because you, you can play play up one classification, and it's not a big deal, right? And and so it allows you to have all you know, essentially the old southwestern league, like I said, a southwestern league like non-conference schedule. But does that make the league schedule interesting? Because it's a lot of programs that you go. Uh, okay, I. That's that's great that you know whoever's coming over, Doherty's coming over. But Fruit of Monument Doherty doesn't get the blood you know pumping like Fruit of Monument Grand Junction or Central Grand Junction playing a right. league game. Right. When it's a league game, when it when it counts toward winning a league championship, still count. They're still important because RPI makes it important, even if it's a non-league game. It's not perfect. But you know what? I, my initial reaction is, it's outside of the the, the FURTA thing. It's not bad I, for Palisade. I think it's back to a more normal Western Slope League. Right. Don't have to worry about the travel to summit and all that. I think that's that's a good thing for a program like Palisade. It's a good thing for Delta, as we mentioned, in regard to that. That it just it makes some sense. You know, and one one final thought. You know, talking about the the Western Slope League because. So you got Battle Mountain, okay, Eagle Valley teams that have been there a long time. Glenwood—that's that's a that's a rivalry you know that you really never want to lose with that with that school. No, and you get Rifle back in. Yeah, that's that's and more yeah, than anything, I, I think mean, Palisade good... Rifle is a league game. That's always great. That's that's a, that's, that's, that's that gets, where it should be. That gets back to the rivalry stuff. That's why that league is is going to be a great league once again, after it's been kind of been torn apart and maybe delta at some point will be back in the western slope league at that level Who knows? we'll see but um yeah Chavez, you're right enrollment numbers okay i see your point on that I, but i just think that for fruta being in five eight in that league in particular doesn't doesn't certainly do them any favors all right let's quickly get into garbage time we're taking out the trash it's garbage time on the jim davis show on the team
1: Oh, I
0: love trash.
1: Got something you want to
0: pull
1: out here? Okay, go ahead. A uh, friend of the show, Katie Wingy, with a absolutely mind-boggling Nikola Okic stat. Nicole Okic, 100 career triple-doubles in 582 total games played. That would be one in every six games. All other active centers in the NBA combined, 50. Triple doubles. Wow. In 35,143 games played, or one triple double every 700 games played. One in every six for Nicola, one in every 700 for every other active center in the league. But he's stat padding. Shut up, Kendrick Perkins.
0: Anyway, I, I, when when he when Perkins says something like that, he's stat padding. It's garbage. Re- really? It's garbage. Really? If he if he was, I, I yeah okay. <laughs> I just
1: by but, the way, Nuggets. I just that
0: just, just, just that just blows my mind when he's stat. to so be your criticism. He's stat padding. And what was Russell Westbrook doing when he won the MVP? That Which year, it be all the triple doubles. Yeah,
1: that was stat padding. Because the rest of the team stunk. By the way, Nuggets tonight, 7.30 pregame on the Team Sports Network.
0: When they take on Memphis. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Rockies and the San Francisco Giants. Uh, spring training baseball today with uh, Jack and Jerry, 12.55 today. Maverick men's basketball, Armac semifinals tonight against Cuddlewood School of Mines. We'll have it today, 4.45. Pregame, 5 o'clock tip. Buckeye's going to have that one for you tonight. I'll have, hopefully, the championship game tomorrow night. And then... The Nuggets taking on Memphis tonight at 7.30. For Cake, I'm Jim. Hope you have a great weekend and join us back here Monday at 7 on the Team Sports Network.